and welcome to Last Year A DJ Saved My Life, a love letter to the music that gets us through, the pandemic and life in general, in podcast form. My guest this week is UX genius, mentor, chaos merchant and very dear friend Mark Congister. It's not an understatement to say Mark genuinely changed the trajectory of my life many years ago. He saw something in me that I hadn't quite had the guts to see in myself back then, and he pushed me to believe that I could do great things. He has also, on many an occasion, pushed me to remember that I have a wickedly mischievous side too, or maybe I pushed him to remember his own. Either way, I'm forever grateful that Mark is in my life, and I'm even more grateful he agreed to do this podcast. Bizarrely, we'd somehow never had a conversation about music until now, which is odd because at one time or another we've talked about pretty much anything and everything else. Mark's stories about his music choices and even the stories behind those songs were full of character and our conversation this time was fascinating. Mark, like all brilliant UX brains, sees the storytelling, the art and the deep humanity that lies within almost everything. And, forewarning, this one's definitely not family friendly when it comes to the swearing. Oops. Although, unfortunately, we can't play the music that we discuss on the podcast for rights reasons, there is, as ever, a corresponding Spotify playlist linked in the show notes and also available on the website at lastyearadjsavedmy.life, along with Mark's social media handles. Please do give it a listen, and if you can, please also consider rating and reviewing this podcast wherever you get them, as it really helps to make us easier to find. As ever, I had a really great time chatting with Mark, and I hope you enjoy too. Well, welcome, Mark. So lovely Thank to you. have you here. So lovely Great to, to have you here. Very excited. Um, first and foremost, how are you? How are you doing? Yeah, fine. You know, it's uh, world slowly returning back to normal, healing itself, and uh, things are things are getting better every day. Yes. How's North Carolina these days? North Carolina, we, we you know, we, we, it never really got super bad down here. So, you know, obviously they closed stuff down and, and all that stuff. But for the most part, it was uh, livable. Um, so, yeah, we, we, we muddled through okay. Nice, nice. And how how was your kind of um, music in the time of COVID? I, can't, I should have called this podcast that, really. Uh- <laughs> I, I, like, I like your title. But uh, music you. in the time of COVID uh, was, you, you know, as we were kind of previously discussing my, my life did not change all that much during COVID mm. because I've been a remote worker for like the last seven years so I've been working out of my house for a long time so when all this happened it was like you know I was the guy in the vault already like in, in his uh <laughs> in his bomb shelter when the bombs are dropping and I'm safe so it was it was not a big change for me other than the fact that now everybody else in the world is doing the same thing and, and all the stuff that I had learned for seven years I'm now I'm the expert I'm, so I'm telling people how to like manage their their, their setup. So it, it didn't impact me that much other than the fact that even though I work from home, I would travel quite a bit for, which was the thing that probably was preserving the sanity in my marriage. Um, <laughs> and when that went away, my wife, who you know, she was a wonderful woman, Very. kind of missed that uh, break from me. So we were six months into uh, into COVID, into lockdown, and we were watching a, a movie or something. And uh, she just turns to me, she's like, what? This isn't working. You're going to have to figure out a way to get away from me for a little bit. Otherwise, it's going to turn into like some Dateline show where the spouse kills the other spouse. And, you know, <laughs> it wasn't that bad, but it, 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 you know, getting on people's nerves. So long story short, I'm fine. Good. I was just thinking about who who would be the hunted one on the Dateline show. I think Dorothy's going to be the one on the run, isn't she? <laughs> 
Oh no no, it's and those shows are great because like you know the spouse <laughs> killed the other spouse, and they're like, what was it the handyman? You know, was it the best friend? And you're like, no, it was the spouse. And then in the yes. last minute, they're like, oh, it was the spouse, by the way. Uh, yes. So like, if you ever hear that I like die some untimely death, just roll with it. Just be like, Dorothy killed Mark, and that's fine. The cops come to you. He probably just... deserved it. Uh, exactly, I, and I totally would, <laughs> and I wouldn't even hold it against him. <laughs> I you wouldn't, wouldn't even blame <laughs> my, uh, my, my ghost would come back and say, I totally understand. That's fine. I'll leave you alone yeah. for the rest of your life. Fair enough. So when you were kind of like getting away from her for a couple of nights a week, <laughs> just walking the dog endlessly. Pretty much, yeah. What role did music play for you through all this? Did your relationship with music change? So I, I changed in, in frequency, I guess, right? Like just because there's so much more free time, mm. you know, you have to fill it up with something. So uh, music was one of the, the fillers in that free time. Uh, and a good filler like it, there's good things that come out of listening to music it uh helps you to forget about the the horrors around you sometimes and yeah. you know takes you to another place and transports you and so in that sense it was really valuable much more so than it is you know when the world is not terrible because it allows you to to take a step back and and process information and insanity in a much more meaningful way yeah it's funny because one one of the reasons i started this podcast is because i felt exactly that i felt like collectively when i was talking to friends and family the topic of music and the role of music came up quite a lot and this notion of it sort of soothing or healing us in this moment and obviously very first podcast guest i have was rowan he goes no i don't really believe that i don't really find that that's true um what's your perspective on music being able to heal or get us through yeah so rowan's 100 wrong and i love rowan you know i love rowan <laughs> rowan how you doing you know but i think the important thing about music is that it's so personal right is like everybody has their own relationship to music and to art in general but you know yeah. we're talking about music so you know we'll stick to the topic and i'm not really evangelical about my musical choices like i don't know if you and i have ever had a conversation about music i don't think we have and before now which is odd and yet and yet i still love you right you're still like <laughs> i probably know everything else about you than what your favorite band is probably but i know you have taste but like that to me is none of my business right like you like the music you like i like the music like Obviously, mm -hmm. if you ask me the reason why I'm here today, I'll, I'll happily tell you what music I like. You know, I love my kids, but they have terrible taste in music. The shit they listen to is just awful, but I don't hold that against them. It's part of their development as human beings to figure out what it is that attracts them and speaks to them. And I don't want to interfere with that. Right? Like, so yeah. with other people, like I more power to you, you like what you like. I don't really care. So you think music's a really personal choice then? Have you I do. Have you have you done any of the trying to educate the young ones to see the light and see some of the the joy of the things that you love at all? Yes, you know, listen, I I, I definitely share my preferences when requested. Uh, and <laughs> you know the Venn diagram of my musical choices and the rest of my family musical choices is, is a very slim overlap, but it, it, it exists. So like it's yeah. like Queen, uh, Stevie Wonder, Aretha Franklin, Van Morrison before he became a reactionary right wing asshole. Yeah. You know, th there's uh, things that we both like and then we diverge, but we can come back together around the, the things that we both like. And you would definitely have, there's definitely a genre or, or style of music running through your choices. Yes. How would you describe your musical personality? So my, I, I, first of all, I have no musical talent, right? So I, I'm <laughs> the last person that should be talking about music because I'm 
just terrible at it. But like my musical perspective was formulated in a 10 year span from the time I was 13 in like 1983 till I was 23 in, in 1993. I'm sure as you can tell when you look <laughs> at my playlist and it, it probably peaked in like 80, 97, 98. But like, that's when I was trying to figure out who I was, yeah. like what, what I wanted to be and, and, you know, who, what friends I wanted and, you know, where I, the places I wanted to go. So like all of that accumulation of maturity, which is probably not the right word, depend, you know, if you understand who I am, but uh, development <laughs> is reflected in that, in, in the type of music that I like. Yeah. So let's get on to your, your COVID choices then, the ones that you leaned into. Before we go through them, why, what is it about these or made you turn to these tracks? So I tried to balance music that I discovered uh, during COVID and music that I I guess rediscovered. So like my music is centered around a, a, an era, but it's not like I'm I'm immune to developments of music. I just don't change my preferences very easily. Yeah. But uh, some of the newer songs that I discovered during COVID were meaningful. <laughs> Let me put it this way. 2020 would have been a, a bucket of shit year, even without COVID. And there's music on my list that speaks to that as well as the fact that, you know, we were remote and at home and focused on trying to survive a pandemic. <laughs> but, you know, it, it didn't change the fact that I was open to new ideas. Yeah. So let's run through your five choices then. So you had Ooh La La by Run The Jewels, Bulls On Parade, Rage Against The Machine, It's A Raid, Ozzy Osbourne and Post Malone, YYZ, I suppose I should call it, um, Rush, and Eruption, Van Halen. Let's start with... The first one, Ooh La La, Run the Jewels, a newer one. Yes, so uh, released in 2020, um, and I like Run the Jewels a lot. I, you know, I, yes, they're very original. Um, you know, they're kind of uncategorizable. Like, yeah, they're they're rap, hip hop, but they're very experimental. You know, and I, I I don't like everything they do, but when they get something right, they really just get it fucking right. I mean, like Ooh yeah. La La. Like, the, I remember I, I heard that. I actually think I found it. It was like a recommended video on YouTube. I was on YouTube one night, and I was like, "Oh, new Run the Jewels song. You know, I'll check it out." And I think I listened to it like twenty times in a row. It was like just blew my mind. It was like, this is awesome, because mm. Killer Mike and LP are, are you know, the, the lyrics they write are just amazing. The way they arrange music, the, the engineering is just phenomenal it, it just meant a lot to me and in that video uh zach larocha the lead singer for rage against the machine which is my second song yeah they're like two sides of it's the a side and the b side of the hellscape that was 2020 with covid removed like you know especially in the united states where mm. there was just this uprising of anger uh, around the, the things that were happening in society with the, you know the george floyd murder and you know i think that protest music gives you a way of understanding these things and run the jewels um and rage against the machine are as good of, of protest music, anything that existed in the 60s or, or before that. They speak to a level of discomfort with the power structures that, that exist in a very interesting way. Like Killer Mike, I don't know if you saw, he was in a, it was a press conference in Atlanta with the mayor of Atlanta um, when there were the, the Black Lives Matter protests were going on. And, you know, a lot of times what happens in those things is people get very emotional, obviously, and, and they, they overreact in the sense that they do things that they normally wouldn't otherwise do. Yeah. And Killer Mike gave a speech where he basically said, you have to resist the urge to do that. And he's this really interesting guy. He's got this, 
you know, he, he speaks for like, uh, he, he's got interesting uh, opinions on gun ownership. He's got mm. law enforcement people in his family. So he's got an interesting perspective on law enforcement. And uh, it's not the very far fringe of, of the, the left wing, which is like, let's defund the police and all this. He's got like a yeah. very measured analysis of society and how we can start to not solve, but discuss these issues in a meaningful way. And I think it comes through very well in his music. So that song, which is not overly political, there's certainly a political undertone to it, but it just slaps. I mean, just a, just a fucking killer song. It slaps. It really does. I saw them live actually a few years ago. At, oh, did you? Yeah, in Paris, which makes nice. me sound like a super douchebag, but I did. <laughs> But uh, he was great, but he was talking a lot about, because he's quite, he's quite pro-gun ownership. And right. honestly, I think if I was a black man in America, so would I be. <laughs> no shit. Way, right? And that's kind of his point, right? <laughs> yeah, completely. But like the, the thing about him to me is he's open to other perspectives. He's not dogmatic about his position. He's like, this yeah. is what I think. Here's my, here's, here's how I think we should start to approach this, the solution to this problem. If you have a better one, let me know. Yeah. And I will be open to that perspective. He wants to have a dialogue with the people that he disagrees with. And that happens far too infrequently today. Rage Against the Machine, moving on to the next one, reminds yeah. me, obviously, when it was all going off last year and uh, one of the guys, Zach, did you say he tweet- tweeted something? <laughs> Somebody was like, how dare you? I can't believe you're finally, you're becoming political and you've been sucked in by the liberal left. And somebody else was like, what fucking machine did you think he was raging against? The dishwasher. <laughs> Yes, exactly. There's another video where, so I, I was I was really torn between Bulls on the Parade, uh, Bulls on Parade, and Killing mm. in the Name. Um, Both brilliant. Killing in the Name is is um, just an amazing song as well. But uh, there's a video of a bunch of MAGA people like dancing in the streets to Killing in the Name, and the <laughs> like the whoosh, like the lack of self awareness. Oh, for yeah. them to dance like they don't it's like when uh, trump would play uh a board in the usa at his rallies like oh, oh yeah. like they just hear board in the usa like oh, i was born in the usa too man usa and then they just like skip over the, all of the, the intervening parts that that discuss the, the the criticalness of what's wrong with the usa it's just it's just insane <laughs> but to the to the to the protest again I, you know and this being the kind of the b-side to uh, to run the jewels, you know, Rage Against the Machine is just, you know, they're 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 phenomenal, musically phenomenal, and they also are strident. Like this is a great, like Bulls on Parade is a great polemic, and like I said, I think mm. Killing in the Name is probably more accurate in terms of what what I was feeling uh, during during 2020, especially around the, the social uh, unrest. But Bulls on Parade, I think, was more visually evocative and accurate to what I was seeing happening in the world. Like it was yeah. bulls on parade, like, you know, especially when you think about like you know, the, the array of, of police and, and national guard that was, that was being thrown at people who were just literally confused and afraid for, for their lives mm. and the lives of the people they love. And, and the, the state was, and I'm not saying, listen, like I don't believe in defund the police, but I think people have a, a definite right to speak their mind and to protest. And when you start treating that as criminal dissent instead of legitimate political discourse, society is in big, big trouble. Mm. Did you find that you like with those choices, you were doing things like f- looking for music that you would channel the like fury or like the way that you were feeling? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Like so, one song that I didn't pick that I almost did. It was uh, NWA, Fuck the Police, which Mm -hmm. I've listened to many, many times over the past year. I'd Um, say streaming numbers shot right up last year. (laughs) Exactly. 
and and you know nwa is great i i, I yeah. really like them and I, and I think i think fuck the police was such a brave song like when that first came out like to, it was banned wasn't it i think it, it, yeah uh, yes and then like and and uh police would refuse to work at nwa concert i mean to, for a bunch of teenagers to say we're going to release a song that tells the police to fuck themselves is just ballsy beyond anything i would have been able to do at that age yeah. um, and you could disagree with like listen you, you can totally disagree with with that sentiment um but it's i, I just think it's it, so the reason why i didn't go that path to to come back around was <laughs> um you know i i know cops i have friends and family members who are cops and like i said i'm, I'm not like you know, the pounding the table for defunding the police. And, and I think that there's an extreme that you need to explore, like fuck the police, but a bulls on parade or, or even killing in the name is I think more, um, less, less bomb thrown. It's like mm. less incendiary, a, a less, um, a, a revolutionary perspective on how do we solve these problems? That's yeah. why I, I didn't go with fuck the police. Yeah. Fair enough. So another new one, I think it must be, uh, is It's a Raid, which is Ozzy Osbourne and Post Malone. And again, yes. you've got me to listen to Post Malone, I think, for the first time as well, me, because I'm a thousand years old. Me too. And I, yes, I'm of an age uh, where uh, people with face tattoos, usually I just dismiss them out of hand. And Post Malone has mm-hmm. quite a few face tattoos. A couple. And he's popped up a couple of places recently. Like I'm not a big Post Malone fan, um, but there was a, we were talking about Elvis a little while ago. Uh, there was an wow. Elvis special on PBS um, over the summer. And uh, he did a cover of an Elvis song and the, and the one he did escapes me, but he actually did an excellent job. So this song, It's a Raid by Ozzy Osbourne. It, millions of people dying from a global pandemic ozzy osbourne continues to march on a man who has defied death more times than than anyone you can imagine (laughs) he just covid was like i'm not even gonna try and kill that guy because it's just not gonna work so he comes out with this new album which is probably like his 50th album that he's released in his life and it's not a great song but like i i read an article on the backstory to the song online and I listened to the song and I was like, that is, that's fucking Ozzy Osbourne. That's like, sums him up in a three minute or four minute song. So the backstory is this. So years ago, Ozzy Osbourne is making an album in the United States in LA. And they're they're renting a, a big mansion in Bel Air somewhere in, in LA. Um, and uh, so there's drugs there, you know, Ozzy Osbourne's Mountains life. Mountains of them, yes. no doubt, yep. I, I believe it, the way he put it, there was, there was tons of cocaine in the house. So now it's getting hot and he's trying to find the air conditioner. So he's walking around and he's just, there's buttons and dials and knobs on the, on the walls and he's just hitting them. And one of the, the buttons is a panic button. So like, uh, you know, if somebody's going to break into your house, you hit the panic button, it automatically summons the police. They come to the house. So he, he hits the panic button, doesn't know. So now there's a message that goes out to the police station. This house, somebody hit the panic button. So now like 20 cop cars go rushing to this house. Oh, so now shit. Ozzy Osbourne is in the house with his friends and, and tons of cocaine. <laughs> and they look out the window and there's now 20 cop cars pulling up in front of the house. And Ozzy screams, it's a raid, which is the title of the song. And he Amazing. starts gathering up all the cocaine and running into the bathroom to flush the cocaine down the toilet. <laughs> And the cops come up to the house and they're banging on the door and they discover what happened and they leave. So he writes this song, uh, It's a Raid. And again, not the greatest song, but it's it's uh, it was a great story and it, it just gave me a kick. Uh, I love the, that. I kind of, I found it quite catchy, actually. Yeah, no, it's it's got a hook. It's a bit overproduced, I think, yes. for, for someone like an Ozzy Osbourne, but... 
what isn't to these days. And, and listen, Ozzy Osbourne's going to outlive us all. Ozzy Osbourne will die when he's decided that he's done. Yeah. We need to look for like one of those little pins, you know, the little death becomes her kind of thing. <laughs> did, he go and, did he go visit Isabella Ross? A little late, perhaps, but right. like him and Keith Richards. They've, yes. Maybe they've yes. just almost like preserved themselves from the inside out. Like, right. From they'll, outside they'll, they'll be, at the end of time, there'll be cockroaches, Keith Richards and Ozzy. And that'll be it. That wouldn't be the worst. I mean, no. I don't know what would kind of like evolve from those things. But... <laughs> so your last two, I know you chose YYZ from Rush and Eruption from Van Halen because unfortunately last year we lost two of your favorite artists as well. We did. Non-COVID related again. So my, my pandemic songs all have nothing to do with COVID. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so yes, Neil, Neil Peart, uh, drummer for Rush. Uh, Eddie Van Halen, guitarist for the eponymously named Van Halen. Two people, I would say, the best at what they do, but unarguably in the conversation of the best of all time. Like, if you talk to anybody, who's the best drummer of all time? Neil Peart will get mentioned, whether you say he's the best or not. Who's the best guitarist of all time? Eddie Van Halen's name comes up as well. Yeah. So, and I, I'm not a big celebrity death person. Like, you know, when, when somebody dies and you see on Twitter, like people like, oh, uh, uh, Macaulay Culkin died. I, I, I can't believe I just watched Home Alone six years ago. Rest in peace. You know, like that, I'm not that person. And I don't even know Macaulay Culkin could be alive. And, and he's alive. He he's alive and kicking as far as All right, I, great. Excellent. I think he might be on the edge of like a kind of renaissance of some kind. Excellent. A Macaulay-sance. Macaulay. If you're listening, listening, I hope you live for a thousand years. So, um, <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not one of those people. Like, I, I understand there's, you know, people that I appreciate who are, who are famous. Um, they're not my friends. But the thing about Neil Peart and Eddie Van Halen were was that their music contributed to my upbringing. Uh, you know, yeah. not going to go so far as to say that they raised me or anything like that. But like some of the best times of my life, and maybe and some of the worst possibly as well they were involved in like they were present in those yeah. in those scenarios and so when they passed on i knew i was never going to see russian concert again i knew there was never going to be any new van halen music there, right like that you know i'm i'm at an advanced age where you know you start to to think about your own mortality and like this kind of mm. like brought it home and so and i'm sure i i tweeted out my own version of the macaulay Culkin r.i.p uh, when, when both of these guys died. But it, it, yeah, it was yet another reason to to be very glad that 2020 is in the rearview mirror. Kudos to you, because I think I said this to you when we were chatting prior to the podcast. Rush are one of those bands that I had heard lots about. Obviously, I saw the headlines when Neil passed and they appear in so much pop culture. Yes. There's always this sort of like rocker dude in like even like the Goldbergs or something. There's the guy who's obsessed with Rush and Canadian band, obviously, like a lot of US pop culture would reference Rush a lot. And I had somehow never listened to them. I think in my head they were a bit like The Dead or Fish or something like that. And you got me to listen to Rush. Excellent. There's two Rush songs on your list all together. And I listened to a few now and I'm like, oh, I was missing out this whole time. There is, and we'll get to the other one, but but YYZ is off of Moving Pictures, which is one of the greatest end-to-end -end albums of all time. So if you just want to sit down and like just absorb a good slice of Rush, I would I would recommend Moving Pictures because Rush. There's a lot of Rush that is very acquired taste, like Twenty One Twelve, yeah. like their concept, their early concept albums. Like even I don't listen to those all the time because they can be a little <laughs> bit dense and overbearing. And but 
you know, as they matured, they became a lot more um, introspective. And Neil Peart, not, not only was their drummer, he also wrote all their lyrics and their lyrics are very meaningful. Um, what is it about YYZ? Why that one in particular? So the re- all right, so Eruption is widely considered the greatest guitar solo song of all time, right? It's amazing. Um, it yeah. is amazing. Like it really caught me by surprise, actually. So like, there's just no debate. Like you talk to someone who plays guitar, you say Eruption, they know exactly what you're talking about. And, and every guitar player that I've ever met has practiced Eruption to the end. Now, Neil Peart and, and drumming is much different. It's harder to, um, like Neil Peart in concert would do like 20 minute drum solos. And he had, was renowned, he had this like, he had a 360 degree drum set. So like he would sit in his chair. Oh, I've seen that. And he would just like turn around for 20 minutes to just like play different sections of his drum set. It was just insane. So YYZ is actually not the greatest showcase for Neil Peart's talent, but it is a great instrumental. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to like put one of those 13, 15 minute songs on that list so that you would have to sit through it and go, oh, what the fuck's going on here? Um, because YYZ is actually relatively short, very catchy song. I really like it. So that's why I chose YYZ. I could have easily chose something else, but I was trying to be uh, generous. Yes. Well, thank you for that. Because and also, I think probably because it was so catchy, I was like, Russia, great. I should definitely listen to more Rush. There you go. If that is the only thing that comes out of this, uh, this podcast, I'm very happy that I, I introduced Rush to a new person. Yeah. Eruption um, reminds me of being in high school when I had, <laughs> there was a boy I had a crush on. Um, oh, so cheesy. And he was a big Van Halen fan. And I was like, oh yeah, I really like Van Halen. And he was like, if you say jump, I'm going to just die. <laughs> and I was like, um, sure. Yeah, no. Uh. And he was like, it's eruption. Shut up. <laughs> That's what it always makes me think of. Um, thank you, Lee Jameson, wherever you are. <laughs> yeah, there you go mortified he had good taste in music he did terrible taste in women but great taste <laughs> in music <laughs> so moving beyond the shit bag that was 2020 yes. and the musical choices there however great they were you were then asked to pick music that teleports you to places music that just takes you to moments or places in time yeah and again you've picked another five your full allowance thank you yep. um and you went for war pigs black sabbath Yes. The Spirit of the Radio, Rush. The Trooper, Iron Maiden. Bring the Noise, Public Enemy. And Jimmy was a race car driver, Primus. Jerry was a race car driver, but Jerry. Yes. I've, I don't yes. know why I said Jimmy. I think I was thinking of Jimmy Page then because I was looking down the list. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Jerry was a race car driver by Primus. There you go. <laughs> right. Let's start with War Pigs. Where does that take you? So going back to my my earlier point about the, like that 10 year point in my life from from uh, 13 to 23 being the, the formative years uh, of my musical acquisition of taste. This traces that arc very accurately. And the first time I heard uh, War Pigs, I was probably about 12, 13 years old. And, and one of my friends who had an older brother, we, li- we lived on the same street. Uh, we, we go into his basement and his older brother had a bunch of records and his brother had Paranoid, which is what War Pigs is off of uh and black sabbath the black sabbath album by black sabbath um so we listened to both of them and it literally changed my life like that like i i am right now in that basement like just wow hearing war pigs for the first time i was like who the fuck thought to, to do this this is just insane how do you create something like this and even today, it like, gives me goosebumps, but it's like, it, it is it was so unique for the time like there was nothing else like and again ozzy 
it really, it set my trajectory for the types of music I was going to like for the rest of my life. And was that it? You were just like, I need more of things like this. I'm going to hunt them down. And Oh yeah. I was like, whatever, whatever these guys are doing is, is the type of stuff that I want to do. Because it's kind of so metal heavy, like they're, and they're quite intense. Did you, would you describe yourself as an intense person? But certainly as I age, I become less desirous of being intense but when i was back then like when i was a teenager and even my early 20s like i wanted to be intense that was my look that i was going for was like intensity oh really oh yeah i, was, I loved it was there a fashion that went with it all and everything like that oh i had i had you know the black leather jacket i would go to concerts with spike bracelets and shit i was a fucking Amazing. cartoon character <laughs> eyeliner no 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 never makeup um and and never i never got pierced or anything like i i I went to my mother one time when I was about 14 years old. I said, mom, I'm going to get my ear pierced. So she kind of chuckled and she goes, just tell your father before you do. So I said, okay, no problem. <laughs> so I go to my father and I go, hey, dad, I'm going to get my ear pierced. And he goes, oh, okay, no problem. He goes, when you come back, just come and see me because I'm going to have a hole puncher and I'm just going to use it to punch the earring out of your ear. And, you know, so it'll be fine. So I never got my ear pierced. Um, <laughs> And, but like, other than that, I was a lot, so I had very long hair. I was down, you know, down to my butt. And like, that was, I, I was, I was metal. I was 80s metal dude. Nice. 100%. Yeah. So the next one is your second Rush track, The Spirit of the Radio. Yeah. And, and I'm actually going to team up Spirit of the Radio, Spirit of Radio with The Trooper. Oh, okay. Um, the Iron Maiden track. Okay. Because, yeah, because those two bands were like my four years. Like, I loved high school. Me too. Like, I know it's like against type, right? Like, no. Oh, but best four years of my life uh, until I got married. Thank you. <laughs> In case they were listening. But high school was just amazing. And Rush and Iron Maiden were the soundtracks of my high school years and my four years in high school. And, and if they ever make a movie about my life, it, it'll be terribly boring, but the party montage uh, during high school is gonna be Spirit of Radio. It is, like, it was there every single party I was ever at, every single good time I ever had during, the, during that era was, you know, Spirit of Radio was, was, was there. Um, and I, it's just, it's a great tune. And, it is. And I just love listening to it. Um, and then on the other side, Iron Maiden. Uh, so I picked The Trooper, which is my favorite Iron Maiden song, but I love Iron Maiden for a number of reasons. Number one, again, back to that era of my life where I was the cartoonish metalhead, like Maiden was was it. Like everybody just loved me. And, you know, just it was a way to channel my teenage aggression. But the great thing about Maiden is, is that they're actually very literary. So, mm. so The Trooper is based off of Tennyson's Charge of the Light Brigade, his poem about the Crimean War. Oh, wow. And they have a lot of... Yes. And they have a lot of other songs. Like they did a song about uh, Coleridge's Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, the songs about, uh, they reference Dune, like they actually are uh, cerebral, you know? So there's a lot of mindless metal, which I listen to as well. But but Iron Maiden brings a uh, an interesting perspective to to metal. And it's, it's kind of the, the thinking person's metal, uh, but still like sacrificing none of the headbanging awesomeness that, that is metal. <laughs> brings to the table. So the Trooper is just a, a great tune. How did your parents feel about, you know, high school Mark listening to this kind of music then? If if you were, you know, you couldn't get pierced or anything like that? So, you know, other than the, the threat to uh, deform my ears uh, with the piercing, <laughs> my parents were actually very hands-off in terms of allowing me to explore the things that I liked. You know, they were That's very uh, supportive of my creativity. You know, I've always liked art and you know, they, they always encouraged that and, you know, and allowed me to express myself. As I said, I have like really long hair. They never broke my balls about that you know when i wanted to spend a hundred dollars on a leather jacket which back then was like an insane amount of money they mm. you know they they allowed me to do that um so it, 
and I think that's where I, I come about my perspective on music about not being uh, evangelical or, 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 or judgmental about other people's taste in music comes from that. And my parents and I share a lot of taste, you know, commonalities in, in our musical taste. Like they're big Beatles fans. I like the Beatles, the Stones, you know, there's a lot of their music that, that I enjoy as well. So yeah, they would, they were actually, uh, didn't care. They, they would listen to it and they would go, this is terrible because <laughs> it's not the type of music that they would like, but they would then walk out of the room and let me continue on listening to it. Uh, run a question. Who's the best Beatle? Uh, th- this is a hard question because I, I would say John, but John was an asshole. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big Paul fan. Ringo is terribly overrated, so I may have to go with George. Yes, that is the right answer. I believe George is absolutely the best Beatle. And an- another band that didn't make it to my list that I bought their whole discography uh, over the course of the pandemic because I spent an insane amount of money on music for some reason was the Traveling Wilburys. Which oh, George nice. Harrison was a part of. Yes. One of the greatest bands of one of the greatest, you know, all-star superstar bands of all time. And uh, so George Harrison, uh, Bob Dylan, uh, Roy Orbison, yeah. um, Tom, um, Tom Waits, Tom Waits. Oh, no, not Waits, no, wait, uh, um, uh, Petty, uh, Tom Petty, yeah, um, and, and the guy from ELO, uh, Jeff Lynne. Yes. Probably the greatest of them all is Roy Orbison. Like I think, yeah, the voice of Roy Orbison. It's beautiful, is just, isn't it? Yeah, it comes from, it, I'm an atheist. Roy Orbison's voice comes from God. I'm totally convinced. But anyway, <laughs> so like George being part of that, like that's, yes, you're, you're right. I love bands like that though. I love bands where it's just some of the best musicians in the world just getting together and going like, what if we all had a band? Because what, like just for the crack. It's like just a super like super music nerd hobby, but we all get to benefit from it. And he just, I... Yes. There's so, like, I mean, that is, like, the peak one of those. There have been a couple lately my COVID brain won't let me think of. But, yeah, I just love the notion of people going, like, I don't want to do it for that band because that's, like, my job. But what if we just did it for the for the shits and giggles of it all? Yeah. And, and yes. yeah, Roy Orbison, like, Roy Orbison's, like, a random inclusion in that group, but brilliant for it. So, and it's funny, like, I, I you, when they first came out, um, there was an interview. Basically, everyone in the band, other than Roy Orbison, was, like, they're, like, oh, it's, you know, why did you do this? And their number one answer was because I got a chance to sing with Roy Orbison. Like that was like it was like duh. What? <laughs> duh. Yeah. Like fucking Roy Orbison. You see the guy over there? The next one then, Bring the Noise, Public Enemy. Wicked. Love that song. Bring the noise, public enemy. What a great fucking tune. Yeah. A great album. Yeah. Right. You know, I probably could have picked a number of tunes off that album, but uh, that Bring the Noise is a great song. Um, so this is my college years, right? So I was kind of a snob about rap music. I was like, because I was a met, like I was into metal, right? I didn't have time for, for rap. But now I go to college and now I'm meeting all these different people. So one of the guys I meet on my floor, he's a DJ. So he introduced me to 90s rap music. You know, Public Enemy, KRS One, Eric B and Rakim, EPMD, Cool Modi, like fucking amazing music that I never would have heard in my life and the first time i heard public enemy was another one of those black sabbath type moments like really kind of like i, I yeah i didn't know that, that shit was out there like i always thought it was like more like dance type of mm-hmm. of music but like i was like no 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 this is this is there's a, a relationship between the, the the other stuff i've been listening to and this like there's a commonality in terms of questioning authority and there's a consistency with my worldview here. And, and Chuck D, number one, first of all, is in my opinion, the greatest rapper of all time, but also one of the greatest lyricists yes. in all of music. Total iconoclast, public enemy just does not give a fuck. So, <laughs> uh, so uh, Elvis. Okay. So <laughs> from public enemy and Elvis, this is brilliant. Yes. So in 2013, public enemy is inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame alongside Rush. 
the two of them get inducted into oh, the Rock wow. and Roll Hall of Fame in 2013. So now I never watch award shows. I don't give a shit. None of it matters. So Rush and Public Enemy are getting inducted into the Rock and Hall of Fame. I'm fucking watching this shit. <laughs> Everybody that gets inducted does their set. So Rush does their set and they kick ass. And so now Public Enemy's doing their set and they're doing this, like this medley of all their tunes. They're just fucking rocking out and they're killing it. And they're getting to a point where they're coming up to fight the power. But there's a line in Fight the Power that goes, Elvis was a hero to most, but he never meant shit to me because he's straight out racist. The sucker was simple and plain, motherfuck him and John Wayne, mm -hmm. right? So they're in the Hall of fucking Fame, the Rock and Roll Hall of fucking Fame, <laughs> basically a shrine to Elvis, who was the flagship member of the first class of inductees oh, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But so there's this, so they're coming up to this line and you could see like everyone's thinking, are they going to do it? Because it, it would be the equivalent of going to the Vatican, walking into St. Peter's Basilica, on Easter Sunday, going up to the, the pulpit, taking the microphone out of the Pope's hand and going, fuck Jesus, dropping the mic and walking out. And they did it. And I was like, fuck yes. Like these, they do not give a fuck. Well, what, a, like, was, they, what a sellout if they hadn't done it. Are you like- Exactly. Like, you can't be called public enemy and just be like, oh no, that's impolite, isn't it? <laughs> and they just built up to it. Like that was the centerpiece of their set. Like, uh, so anyway, Amazing. that was, uh, that was the- uh, bring the noise yes excellent and the last one was jerry was a race car driver primus jerry was a race car driver primus great band um very strange band so this is my graduate school years mm. so uh i was doing a lot of drugs at the time and i was in art school so i was like just having part of the curriculum the surely. oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I discovered um, Primus during that time, and and uh, and the, their bassist Les Claypool is just fucking amazing. Like so, like you will hear a Primus song, and you'll be like, "Oh, that guitar is really interesting." It's not the guitar; it's the bass. The guy basically plays lead bass. He's just he's awesome. I'm good friends with Geddy Lee, uh, bassist for Rush. Mm. Apropos of nothing, so it, it really just uh, you know tracks the kind of the tail end of my openness to new music for a number of years. Uh, Jerry, and so Primus and Jerry was a race car driver. was uh, was the song I just kind of fell in love with uh, in, in those in my graduate school years. Mm. And a great tune. It's funny because Primus would be one of those bands. Like I, I was saying this to Lorna last week. Had um, I feel like I need to make I need to get you and Lorna in a room together as well to talk about music. Cause I think you'd have a lot in common based on her list and yours. She's a big kind of metalhead, but also like, so I feel nice. like the two of you, and she's just awesome, as are you. Yeah, no, the show is great. I, I really enjoy I, I, both of your shows. Uh, You're awesome. Oh, yeah, thanks. You're awesome. <laughs> More of that. Anything you do, Dina. <laughs> I will be a spectator to your ascent to greatness <laughs> happily. Thanks. Um, yeah, okay, I'm embarrassed now. Right, so <laughs> <laughs> Primus was one of those bands, as you said, they're a bit weird that when I've sort of skirted around the edges of metal, and I think, so what year would- Sailing the Seas of Cheese, which is an awesome named album, came out in 1991. Yeah, about the time I was buying my own music for the first time and going into HMV and doing all of that. So they would be in the now playing bit and I'd just be like, oh, it's too weird, I can't do it. Yeah. So just oh, sort of weird. ran away from it all. But again, one of the things that's lovely about this, like with Rush, is I got to just, you know, sit and listen to a song from a band that I never would have. And right. um, I, don't, I wouldn't say you've converted me the way you did perhaps with Rush, but I did enjoy it. I definitely enjoyed it. And uh, it's really, it's it's definitely fucking with my algorithm on Spotify. <laughs> anyway. yeah. I think of all the bands on my list, 
across all the categories, they are the most acquired taste um, and probably have the highest percentage of songs that I don't like. But Jerry was first car driver. Yeah, it was a great, is a great tune. Then we're going to go into your mood shifting songs. So, so the songs that you use when you want to just change your mood into something or out of something. And the first one, Lorna will be very pleased with the inclusion is Whiplash from Metallica, which is brilliant. So Kill Em All, which is the album that Whiplash is off of, which is Metallica's debut album, is probably the greatest debut album of any band that I've ever heard. When I heard Kill Em All, uh, so I, I'm now into metal at this time. This uh, uh, Kill Em All comes out in 83, so I'm 13. Nobody. It, it was like it was a repeat of my Black Sabbath uh, experience yeah. a couple of years earlier. And you just heard it. And you're like, these fucking guys are doing some really interesting shit. The speed that they played at, the aggression, it was very, very different. There are better songs on that album, but the thing I love about Whiplash is it doesn't overthink it. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't get in its own way. It's like, listen, we're gonna fucking blow your mind for four minutes with just speed metal and you're gonna sit there and you're gonna fucking take it and you're gonna like it and you do so now when i was in 84 the year after this came out is when i go to high school so i lived in brooklyn and my high school was in manhattan so i had to take the train every day so i had like three hour commute both ways and i would just put my uh, headphones i had walkman and i would listen to kill them all and particularly whiplash on the train and i was like please someone try and mug me please try and mug me while i'm listening to whiplash because i will fucking kill you you wake you still just like a little like walking vessel of testosterone at that time right exactly. you're just like exactly Come on. <laughs> and, and metallica was like i know you so when it, when you what are the moments when you choose to go for it now like is it like is it a gym moment or you just want a bit yeah. of psyching up no when i'm working out i, I listen to metallica they know how to control your adrenaline level better than any other band that i can think of it's funny because like without even knowing a lot about metallica i always know that there's there's a lot of controversy or as i've been told to say in america controversy <laughs> around them because the, you know the, like the talk of like them selling out and blah 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 like lorna had a point of view on this last week and i'd love your perspective because she was like i don't some of their songs their late songs wouldn't be my favorite albums but i believe it's really important for artists to get to just make music about where they are in that moment what's your thought on it so i agree with Lorna. um i think every band that becomes successful hits a a point on their trajectory where they have to make a decision do we follow the money or do we follow ourselves? I think with Metallica, those two things are the same. I really do think that they have evolved to the point legitimately where they are. And I believe that it's a reflection of who they are as musicians, much more so than it is of them as capitalists. Yeah. I think a lot of bands as well, though, that have been around for eons, when you've made your money and you've been around for such a long time, how can you write songs with the same perspective that you did when you were up and coming and you were fighting your way to that kind of success? You're not the same people. They don't live in the same world I live in, so I can't expect them to write music about this world either. Exactly. And you know what I think? Like Hunger fuels art. Yes. Well, yeah. You're hungry for something. And in the early stages of an artist's career, they're hungry for survival. <laughs> when you achieve that, when you satiate that hunger, you have to find a new hunger. And that new hunger may be something very, very personal to you. Mm -hmm. Hunger for success is universal. But once that's achieved and they start to triangulate what's the next thing that I'm hungry for, it becomes a lot more personal and it's not so broad. Yeah. And you'll lose some people when that happens. Um, your next one is from one of my favorite albums, actually. Um, it's In the Light by Led Zeppelin from Physical Graffiti. Why this one? So Led Zeppelin is my favorite band of all time. I believe In the Light is the perfect song 
I believe that in the pantheon of music, at the apex of <laughs> that, exists in the light. I love this song so much. First of all, it's Robert Plant just at the height of his powers. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I am a heterosexual man. I listen to that song. You'd go there. I, 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 gun to my head? I think you'd make a very attractive couple. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> children would be a drug yeah it is like so the, and the way that it's a long song right it's like a nine minute mm. song which is like really hard to to do like a song that long but they do it like they, it's almost like four different songs yeah it doesn't feel it's not one of those ones where you think oh god will this ever oh, end like exactly. it doesn't feel oh, like I'm only halfway through. <laughs> Jesus so like the first three minutes are like you're pretty standard led zeppelin tune you're like yeah this is cool and then at, at about the third minute they just change gears and then they change gears at the next, the minute later. And then like at seven minutes, they just fucking explode. It's just, it builds upon itself so amazingly. And when I am not in a good mood, I just said, I've been throwing in the light nine minutes later. I don't give a fuck. Awesome song. Yeah. It was my dad when, when he moved in with us, I was like, 11 i think and i owe so much of my musical taste to him because um he just brought a kind of different flavor of music to the music that i'd grown up with to that point he had some led zeppelin and we'd have the tapes in the car and he made he used to make amazing mixtapes whenever we went on family trips and things and there was always some led zeppelin on it and i'd be like and genesis she says here in like a genesis t-shirt and there'd be the two of them and I'd be like 13 years old in like the early 90s going like, oh my God. Because um, it wasn't, you know, pop or like yeah. some like, you know, but as I got older, probably when I went to university, you just kind of go, oh no, he was really right. Actually, this yeah. is fucking brilliant. Yeah. I'm an idiot. And uh, yeah. It was... No, but you know, sometimes you have to come around yeah. to it of your own volition. Like you can't be forced. You can't have your nose rubbing. Yeah. Like you've just got to say holy shit i didn't think about it that way to that point can we just pour one out for mixtapes like oh for sure uh, and you know we you can create spotify playlists and all you no, want it's right? not the same. That's fine but the fucking mixtape was ah, yeah well i, I miss mixtape it was the art of it and i was exactly the intentionality yeah but also like the taping it off the radio-ness of it because yes i just couldn't afford to go to record shops all the time when i was a teenager and you know my parents couldn't afford to just you know throw 20 30 pounds at me every yeah. couple of weeks and so we used to be there with my little like hand over the record pause button and I, but i remember we went to the south of france once I was about 16 and my dad had made like a bunch of epic mixtape and he'd done the work to make sure that there was something for everybody. Right. So you've got like my mum with her Northern Soul, 60s girl band, Motown, kind of like deep cut vibes there. His new wave 80s. And then me as like a, it was like 94. So like a lot of Bjork, but I take that, um, a lot of indie music. <laughs> like I was, you know, very much a woman from Manchester of a certain age. And then my sister, who'd have been about 13, so into just pure pop at the time. But we had on the tape one of the best runs of music, Pray by Take That, Reward um, by Teardrop Explodes. And then there was Love and Pride by King, which is one of my favourite, favourite ever songs. But at the beginning of it, there was just this like, rip, where he just (laughs) never managed to not get the DJ's voice in or be able to just, he'd obviously kind of like recorded some other things off it a few times. And to this this day if ever i listen to that song I, there's always something missing there's always like the oop <laughs> just yes. because that was the gorgeousness of mixtapes it required but love like 
to sit there listening to the radio going, please make the next song the one that I need so I can complete this mixtape. Like, so props to Andrew for making great mixtape. Was there ever like a mixtape that you had that you regret that you don't have anymore? Yeah, so I actually, I actually still have them, but they're like deformed. Like you, I tried to play them and they were like oh. stored for a long time. And, and you know, it's Friends Volume 1 and Friends Volume 2. So Chris, my best friend in high school and I, uh, we had a group of friends we were all on the football team we called ourselves the shitbirds there was about 15 of us did you say shitbirds shitbirds that's what we called ourselves <laughs> yes we Brilliant. made t-shirts and everything and it was uh, it was awesome and the initiation was like when we would go to parties you would have to flush your head in the toilet like that's how you join the shitbirds yeah, oh, oh it's fucking God. absurd right like we would leave our houses on Brilliant. friday morning to go to school and like i would not be home until sunday we would just like roam new york city and just do like insane shit so anyway <laughs> so we created these these mixtapes friends volume one and friends volume two and you know distributed them and you know, i i drew the the covers the artwork and i and this was before like you could i had access to color photocopying so i actually drew like 15 versions of the cover oh, wow. of the shitbird mascot <laughs> which was obviously a, a bird uh, drinking beer um and so yeah like those <laughs> I, I have them but uh they they're in very bad repair and some of the the things on them were those radio things that i'll never be able to recapture yeah. so like I, I couldn't just go on spotify or or youtube and 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 get them so that you know they will die but i, I will not get rid of the oh. tapes like they will i will own them for the rest of my days oh yeah okay you're you're Next one then is The Clash, Train in Vain, Stand By Me. Criminally underappreciated in the United States. Criminally. Yeah. Like Along with Paul Weller. Yes. Like you ask the average American about The Clash and they're going to say Rock the Casbah. And London Calling, Gun to My Head, Desert Island, one album, probably London Calling. Not the Led no. Zeppelin one. Because London Calling is... End to end, wall to wall, phenomenal too. Yeah. London Calling, Hateful, Rudy Can't Fail, Guns of Brixton, Death or Glory. I mean, just song after song, you just listen. You're like, this is, how do you come up with like all of these songs at one time? And Train in Vain, it's another one of those songs. You just put it on and you're automatically in a good mood. Love it. It's the boppiness exactly. of it, isn't it? I think it's like... Yeah, and then like, you know, other bands that would have come out with a song like that, you'd be like, oh, you're selling out, you're trying to be poppy or whatever. But no, The Clash own that shit. They're like, yes, we're going to fucking make you feel good right now. Um, your next one from the recently uh, turned octogenarian, Bob Dylan, is Shelter from the Storm. Yeah, so this is a weird one, right? Because I don't like the original version of this song. The original version is very slow. It's kind of ponderous Dylan. You know, Dylan can be up and down. Another acquired taste. I saw Dylan live about four or five years ago. And he was fine. I mean, it would have been nice if they would have told us what language he was speaking before we went. So we could have brought an interpreter to understand what the fuck he was saying. <laughs> He's like, he just becomes more of like a kind of weird old cat weasel as he gets older, doesn't he? He was just like, hey. We don't know what you're saying, dude. I, I, I'm willing to, to say he is the 20th century poet laureate of America. Like, I think he mm. captured so many important moods. He's very similar to Walt Whitman in my mind. The way that they, they interpret America, specifically, very specifically America, and how America is versus should be. And both of them very obviously love America, but in, they love America in a healthy way. Like, where they say, you're not right. Yes, this is what you need to do to get better. And I'm telling you this because I love yeah. it. But so he does this. This is a live version um, from 76. And this version has just got, it starts off with this like sloppy, funky guitar. 
and it just it's rollicking. It's it's like being on a runaway train. You may stay on the tracks, you may not. You're jumping chasms when yeah, and it's just <laughs> it just keeps going. And his lyrics, like my, I love Dylan's lyrics. I mean, he just writes such incredible words. Yeah, you know. And then there's a a, a line um, in a little hill, hilltop village. They gambled for my clothes. I bargained for salvation, and she gave me a lethal dose. I'm like. Wow. Who, who the fuck comes up with shit like that? Like, that's just crazy. This is another one, one of those songs where, like, I have it favorited on Spotify. I have it favorited on YouTube. So, like, I need a little pick-me-up. Uh, I throw on Shelter from the Storm, uh, live version from Hard Rain, and, like, feeling, feeling good after that. And which brings us to your last one, sadly, in a glorious tonal shift, which is Ode to Joy from Symphony num- Symphony Number no. 9, Beethoven. Why this one? It's beautiful. I mean, it is gorgeous. Beethoven is probably, in my estimation, the biggest musical badass in history. He just fucking ticks all the boxes for me. So let me go back to the beginning, literally the beginning, because I am the first grandchild on both my mother's and father's side. So I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, in close proximity to both of all four of my grandparents, was spoiled beyond belief by all of them, was incredibly lucky. So now my my mother's father, everyone called him Big Bob, one of the smartest human beings I've ever met in my life. Never went to college because from a from an era when you know that just wasn't an option for everybody. But you could literally expound on any subject in a, just incredible detail, and just understood the world to a level that most people did not ahead of his time in a lot of ways. But a great guy, and and because I was the first grandson, I, I when I was younger, I spent a lot of time with him in particular. And he loved classical music. So I grew up, you know, sitting on his knee, literally listening to classical music. Beethoven in particular speaks to me. So Beethoven goes, I am going to write a song about joy. I'm going to write a song that embodies joy. And you, a normal person would go, that's fucking ridiculous. Like who, you can't embody, you can't explain joy. And he goes, watch me. And he writes this song, Ode to Joy. And he fucking does it. Like you listen to this song. And if you, if you listen to the song, you do not feel utter joy. You're fucking dead inside because this song is amazing. And not only that, Beethoven is just a complete badass, right? You know, so everybody knows he lost his hearing later in life. And, mm-hmm. you know, that just made him love music more. So he cut the legs off his pianos and he put them on the floor and he would put his ear that wasn't working to the floor and bang on the keys to hear the, the music and just absorb it through his skull. Like that's how much he loved music. And oh, wow. Like that passion comes through. And this particular song, I am convinced, like if we woke up as a species tomorrow and with, with collective amnesia and no remembrance of any music that existed in the history of the world, and the only thing we were left was one copy of Ode to Joy, we would be able to reverse engineer all of the music that has happened since that song. It is just that powerful to me. Like I hear it and I just, it explains life. Yeah, and it is, it is pure joy when you put it on. Well, we've come to the end. So wait a second, we skipped over one song. <gasps> You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Oh, yes, I forgot and you can, you can, I'm you, so sorry. No, 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 you can cut this out, but I have to talk no, to- No, never, never, never. I have Let's to talk, talk to you about, about this that. song, because this is very important. So, and, and the reason why um, was because this was like, I cheated in the, the five song limit for the pandemic because I, I included YYZ and Eruption as one song because the two guys died. So my fifth song was You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch by Small Town Time. Christmas 2020, like everything else in 2020 was shit. It was suboptimal for sure. Suboptimal is <laughs> a very charitable way of fucking putting it. Uh, let me start off with why I, I particularly dislike Christmas of 2020. I grew up with ridiculously oversized live Christmas trees every year when I was a kid. My father would take mm-hmm. me and my brother and my sister, and we would go 
to this lot in the middle of Brooklyn, in the middle of nowhere, like with, surrounded by burned out buildings, some guy selling Christmas trees. And my father would pick out the biggest one. No way it was going to fit in our, in our living room. And he would buy it <laughs> and he'd bring it home and he'd wind up chopping like two and a half feet off the top. So we didn't have like a, a Christmas tree with like a, a, a pinnacle. Where you could start. It was like flat at the top. It was like a rhomboid. <laughs> we, we, had, we had Christmas rhomboid. So like part of my joy of Christmas is a live Christmas tree. So this year with COVID, we go out to our usual spot and masks and everything, right? Armed with uh, hand sanitizer and the guy's not there. So we go to another lot. Nobody's there. We go to another lot. Nobody's there. So now we can't find a fucking tree. So now we keep going like every night. We're like driving further and further away from my house. We're on like next door, like texting people. Like anybody know where there's a lot? Like there's a rumor that there's this church and, you know, this town that has trees. We drive there and there'd be no trees. So, you know, we finally we're getting down to like a week before Christmas and like we got to get a fucking tree. We, we hear a rumor that there's this place, you know, about an hour from our house. So we drive there on, it's like Sunday morning. It's like eight o'clock in the morning or Sunday. Like we drive there. The place is closed. And it was obviously trees there because there's needles all over the place. There's one tree left and it's like 25 feet tall. It's like this huge, <laughs> fr- it's, it's bigger than my house. I'd have to cut out holes in my ceiling and in my attic. <laughs> but the place is also closed. So even if we want this tree, we're not getting the fucking tree because it's closed. So my wife, Dorothy, who has never willingly broke a law in her life, looks at me and goes, you want to steal the fucking tree? Such a badass. <laughs> so I said, listen, if it was a normal sized tree, I would say yes. And we just throw like a hundred bucks on the on the lot in the, in the empty spot. Yeah. And just say, hey, we, we took your tree. But I was like, no, that's not going to work. So uh, we go home. And, and so now we're looking online. It's like there's there's a, a tree farm in Tennessee, which is like eight hours from our house. But if we leave at like four in the morning, we can get there, cut the tree down and be back before midnight. So I'm like, fine. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to Home Depot. We're going to buy a artificial tree, you know, and that's just what we're going to do. So this is my first Christmas in my life, my 50th year on this earth, first time with an artificial tree. Christmas was very interesting. So also, so back to your me one, Mr. Grinch, I had just joined Amazon at that point. I was literally in Amazon for less than a month. And I have this team that I've never met in person. And like, they don't know who the fuck I am. I don't know who the fuck they are. So of course, we're going to do our Christmas party virtually online which is uh, sure to be a, a fun time for all um so so i'm like listen i'm creating a playlist that's just gonna blow people's fucking mind and i know you have a great christmas playlist on spotify so i mind I that do, i do uh, I yeah love it. so i mind <laughs> that and i found a couple other ones now I'm, I'm i'm hunting around for other tunes that i should you know that i should include um and i love like the, the grinch of stole christmas is is literally my favorite. Well, that and, and Charlie Brown Christmas. When I was a kid, like that's what I would watch on Christmas. And and the original song was actually sung by a guy named Thurl Rosencraft. I was going to include that song, that version of that song. And, and again, another YouTube recommended video. I see they like, oh, you like this song? Listen to Small Town Titans version of You're a Mean One, Mr. Rich. And it's fucking incredible. I didn't think it would be possible to improve on your amigo, Mr. Grinch. But it is a, it's like a much darker version and a heavier version. And I heard it and I was like, this is Christmas 2020 in a fucking song. <laughs> Give me more of this. So that is why I included Small Town Titans, your amigo, Mr. Grinch on my list. Perfect. Perfect. Can't believe I nearly missed that one off the list. But um, 
Here's hoping Christmas 2021 yes, is much better. absolutely. And includes a real tree for you. It, it will, it definitely will. Yes, let's not have this be a watershed moment where you don't have trees anymore. I will not give up on my, my uh, desire to kill fauna for my... No, no. If you had to pick a song on your list that you would implore people to listen to, if they just had to listen to one of them, which would it be? Oh, to joy. Oh, don't joy. even got to think about it. Oh, to joy. You got it. And you know why? Because a lot of people probably haven't or, or have and haven't realized it. Mm. Right. So intentionally listen to it. Right. Yeah. Like headphones yeah, on. Headphones lock on. out the world. And you know, there's some great versions of it online. Like you can go on YouTube and you'll probably get like 20 different versions of it and like listen to the different versions because like there'll be different interpretations of it. And there's some flash mob versions of it, which are actually really cool. But you know, um, yeah, that would, that would be it. I would say, Oh, to joy for sure. Nice. And then last but not least, is there anyone you would like to invite to participate in this in your world? So you've already said Edge is going to be on. So he was going to be one. My dad. <laughs> dad. He is. And your mom. So like my thought was you do like a, a either a two-part episode or like, or you do, you do your dad first, then your mom and then them together. And there's, and I have a very specific reason for this. Sure. Because if the world, if, if there is not a documented recording of your mom's disability preventing her from being a lesbian, <laughs> the world will be a, a, a shittier place in the long run. That has to be captured in podcast form for anybody who isn't mark and i my mum has a freakishly short tongue barely gets past her bottom lip it's very it's weird unnervingly small like like i'm sure everybody has this like there are some there are things that have happened in your life where you'll just be sitting there and it'll just like pop in your head and you'll just like laugh and like everybody will look at you and go what the fuck are you talking about literally on, on like a monthly basis this happens to me like my wife will just be like what the what do you what's so funny i'm like i and I begin to explain. <laughs> I'm just remembering Venus' song. <laughs> and we almost yeah. got kicked out of Eddie Rockets that night, which we in did. and of itself is an accomplishment. <laughs> with Brenda. Brenda we, we were there with Brenda, right? We were yeah. we were with lovely Brenda. She's gonna do this as well. Oh, excellent. Um we used to make we used to like when we have barbecues in the summer, we'd get like a bag of cherries and like a bowl of cherries, or whatever, and we'd eat them for dessert. Yeah. And then we'd have a competition to see who could spit the pips the farthest just to watch my mum basically <laughs> dribble them down her chin because she cannot. Because lack of tongue. It's freaky. It's, it's very obscenely small. And, and I actually, yes. I, have, okay. I have one more answer to this question as well. Gary Daly. And the reason why... And the reason why is because his playlist will be a fucking hellscape of the greatest hips, hits of every bad wedding DJ in the history of the world, I can't even imagine what terrible music he would have on his, uh, his his playlist. But I would love to hear it. I will do my best. I will reach out to him. I won't reach out to him because I'm not a member of the Four Tops. I will get in touch with him <laughs> <laughs> and ask him if he would be so kind as to partake. Tell him I requested um, his uh, his presence. I will. He's been summoned. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you so much. Dina, this has been so awesome. Much. Maybe we should just do this on a regular basis anyway, even if we don't. Um, it's been really lovely chatting to you about your songs. No, this is awesome. And it's been really lovely. It's been really lovely listening to them as well, I have to say. Good. I Thanks for that. fucking with my algorithm. <laughs>
and you're going to have to put a parental guidance on uh, this this episode of your uh, of your podcast because I used a lot of curse yeah. words. I'm sorry. They all have they okay. all have the little e there. They all, right, all have the little e. Like there's no. I I would like all my friends to be free to be free to be you and me, which is sweary bastards. 